find that there's just a spirit of heaviness that seems to want to put a blanket over you. Have you felt that? And you and I need to re-break that thing. Okay? Complacency causes you and I just to settle. Oh, well, maybe, I don't know. No, no. God put us in a place of victory. Jesus came to give us victory. And so we enforce that victory in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. So I want to talk to us tonight on our greatest enemy as man. Our greatest enemy as man. If I had to ask you what is our greatest enemy, what would you say? Self? Yeah? Satan? Sin? Doubt? Flesh? Complacency? Pardon? Pride. Pride, yeah. These are all good. I can't hear. Apostasy? Anybody else want to contribute? Man himself. <laughs> have, you, have you ever found that you kind of like you're working against yourself? Like Nicky says, yo, 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 yo. How many of you have been in a place in your life where you that if I only knew this then? Have you been there? And if you can look back in your life, you will remember that there were lots of things that were coming to you trying to teach you that lesson, but you didn't want to listen. Unless it's just me. <laughs> so, I want to answer some of your question. Is sin our greatest enemy? Sin is a reality, but sin is not our greatest enemy. You know why? Jesus solved that 2,000 years ago. John 1, 29, John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus dealt with sin. Sin is not our greatest enemy. It's a reality. We face it every single day, but it's been beaten. And again, we're going back to the offering thing. If you and I will obey the word, sin's not an issue. We can beat that thing. And some of us, we've beaten it in some areas, and some of the areas is beating us still. Yeah? Yes? That's where I am at. Okay. So, so John the Baptist, said, and in Revelation 13, it says, The Lamb who, who was slain from the creation of the world. In other words, right from the creation, God already ordained for Jesus to come and to remove sin. The next thing is Satan. Is he our enemy? No. No, no, no. He is our enemy. Sorry. He is a reality. But is he our greatest enemy? No. Why? Jesus being defeated him at the cross. In 1 John 3, 8, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. Okay? In Luke 10, 19, I have given you authority to trample on the snake and the scorpion and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. Jesus is talking to who? The disciples then or to us too now? He's talking to us. He's speaking to us as the body of Christ. And so he's reminding us that the, say, that the enemy is not our greatest enemy. He is a reality. And he is the orchestrator of a lot of stuff that goes wrong. But he's been defeated. And until we get a revelation of that in our head, it'll keep beating us. 
Mark 16, 17. These signs will accompany those who believe in my name. They will drive out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. I don't know why they want to do that. And when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on the sick people and they will get well. So there he's talking about how the enemy has been defeated. Another thing that we might use as our greatest enemy is temptation. No, temptation is not our greatest enemy because in 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. What is he saying there? The things that you are tempted with, I'm tempted with. Everybody is tempted with exactly the same stuff. It says, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. So temptation comes. And God provides a way of escape. James 4, submit. Here it comes. Are you ready for this one? Submit yourself then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. There is a resisting that you have to do. Most of the problem is we fold when temptation comes. So can I tell you what our greatest enemy is? Ignorance. Ignorance. Our greatest enemy is ignorant because the more ignorant you stay, the more defeated you will be. That's why the enemy is trying to get you and I not to hear the word. That is why he is trying to fill your life so much that you don't spend time in the word. You don't spend time with God. You don't get a revelation of actually who you are now in Christ. As long as he can keep you ignorant, he is going to keep you bound. Ephesians chapter 4, reading from verse 1. It says, as a prisoner of the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit. Just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ appointed it. If this is... This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took captives and gave gifts to his people. What does his ascended mean, except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to, fulfill the, to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave apostles, the prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to the, for the equipping of the saints, of the people for work of service, so that the body of Christ may be filled up. Until we all reach the unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. Underline that in your Bible. Because until we start to fill ourselves with knowledge, not head knowledge in the sense of I know more than you, but knowledge so that I can live my life differently. Paul says this. He says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Because when you get the revelation of what Jesus accomplished at the cross, you and I shouldn't be walking where we're walking right now. Becoming mature. <laughs> Attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Verse 14. Then. So he said a whole lot of stuff. He says, then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by those waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people 
in their deceitful schemes. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of Him who is the head, that is Christ. From Him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So you and I all have a part to play in the bigger picture. You're not running your own little race. You are running your race. And your race, nobody else can run it for you. But in your race, you are doing something for the person in the lane next door to you. So I tell, I tell you this, and assist, insist on the Lord in this, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the full uh, futility of their thinking. They are in darkness uh, they are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. You see, when I get stiff-necked, um, what's a good Afrikaans word for that one? Sibrika on. No. Hardkopach. There you are. That's a, if you're in Afrikaans, hardkopach. You just become hard-headed. Stubborn. Ah, that's in a better English. <laughs> we become stubborn, and therefore it doesn't matter who we're hearing this message from, I'm going to just do it my way. And once you get there, the only, only thing that's going to change is something's going to break you. Don't get there. That's why the, God, the Bible tells us, guard your heart. Because when your heart becomes hardened, nothing changes you. Nothing. So ignorant. Speaks about a lack of knowledge, not being well informed, not having the right information. I want to tell you the people are dying without Jesus, suffering at home, in their businesses, in their marriage, struggling in relationships, bound in chains of bondage, tricked by the lies and the, and, uh, uh, of the enemy and, and through the life is tough. The enemy is being successful in keeping us ignorant in all those things. Let me give you an illustration. Married life is amazing. But most of us, all of us, not most of us, all of us, we start marriage with our point of reference, which is normally our mom and dad. Unless Jesus has come in and has changed your life radically, your point of reference for marriage is your mom and dad and maybe the people around you. So how many of those marriages were very good? Very few. If you're in this generation... The, 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 the parenting style was, I'll smack you right. <laughs> and, and I'm saying this, and, and you, please, I'm using it as illustration. I never heard my dad say to me once, I love you. Never once. How many, want, how many people want to hear that they loved? But you see, he grew up not knowing that. So what are you expecting from him? Unless you have an encounter with Jesus that can change your life and change you from the inside out. And so therefore, because I now serve God, I made a decision that Joel will hear every day of my life, I love you, my son. I can change that. Why? Because Jesus came and changed me. But if I don't, if I become hard-headed, well, that's how my parents brought me up. And so I'm just going to... Oh, well, you're going to lose. We all have the amazing ability to be able to change so that we can become better. And some of us will fight to stay on our little miswhip that is wrong. It's amazing. 
<laughs> How do I know? Because I was there. Some places I still think I am there. Don't, don't talk to my wife. You don't have permission to do that. But what we need to understand is God's made a way in Luke 4, 18. It says, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He's come to set the, cap- the proclaim. Yes, has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind. Has set the oppressed free and proclaim the year of God's favor. Jesus came and changed that. As long as I'm willing to be changed, God can change me. In 1 Corinthians 10, 13, no temptation has overtaken you except that it is common to man. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand, in, you, so that you, can endure, ah, you can endure it or stand up under it is some of the other Bible versions. Now, let me ask you a question. The last time that you went into a mall, how many of you took note of the fire escapes? By your answer, none of you. Because you were so stuck on going to buy what you were wanting to buy, you never looked for the fire escape because if there was a fire, you wouldn't know where to run. Yeah? Our life is exactly the same. We're so stuck on what we want to do, we're not looking for the fire escapes. God says, I provide a way of escape out of it when we are tempted. But we're not looking. Why? Because I will die down here. I want to go and get that thing. I want to do that. And we will fight to do that thing and we won't look for the fire escape. What we don't know will cost us. It will harm us. And it has the potential to kill us. This is not a heavy. This is, this is being enlightened. <laughs> enlightened through the word. I remember hearing a story of a, of a pastor, got sick, and um, doctors, and the doctor said, there's nothing wrong with you, but he was dying. He's in hospital, he's dying. Eventually they said, there's nothing more we can do to you. All the tests are saying, everything's fine, go home. And he's dying. He said, God, I don't understand. And God said, you have not, un- you have not forgiven three people in your life. And God shows them to him like that. And he could have right there said, but Lord, you know what? They deserve not to be unforgiven. He said, God, when I'm strong enough, I'm going to go and go and ask for forgiveness and go and forgive them. And you know what happened? God immediately healed him right there. He hadn't gone there yet. And that's a strange, this is a, yeah, this is a very interesting thing. So how come God healed him before he went and put the things right? Can I give you Basil's perception? If God is expecting me and you to live on his word, then he's a God that wants to take you and I at our word. I'll do that, Lord. He says, okay, cool. He makes the miracle happen. And then he waits for you and I to fulfill us out of the bargain. See, ignorance, ignorant of, of forgiving people. And so ignorant, the root word is Darkness. Is darkness. Have you ever heard that thing being kept in the dark? That's, what it, that's ignorance. Being left in the dark. You see, if I can keep... Here's, here's the thing. Look, look around our world today and ask yourself how many of the leaders, top leaders, are keeping the people that they're leading in darkness. 
They're not giving them the truth. They are sharing little bits over here and it seems to be okay. But the genuine stuff over here is all in the dark. You don't know what's going on. I heard a, a, a video clip from Dr. Arthur Frost that apparently the, all the nations are going to be voting in the end of May that the World Health Organization have the, the, the final right of any health issues in the whole world. In other words, they can shut down the world again. They're voting on that the end of May. Someone asks you in your prayer time, will you pray absolute confusion into that meeting? In Jesus' name. So, you want to lead somebody astray, you just get to believe, let them believe the wrong things. Keep them ignorant, and you'll be able to manipulate them, you'll be able to keep them in bondage, and you'll be able to destroy them. Ignorance is a huge thing life And the devil wants you and I to be kept in ignorant. Why? Because keeping us ignorant keeps us deceived, keeps us in darkness, and keeps us from our full potential. Do you know that there is more in you and more in me than I and you know? Did you know that? Because when God created you, He created you fearfully and wonderfully. And when He, he designed you to put your feet... On this planet, he designed that you would be an asset wherever you are. How many people are more broken and needing an environment that will esteem them instead of them being a contributor? They are a taker in our societies. Jesus came to break all that stuff. Isn't that good news? I'm not too sure if I'm preaching you into shock or whatever. Hosea 4.6 in the NIV says, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I have also rejected you as my priest. Because you have ignored the law of your God, I will also ignore your children. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Did you hear that? Because you've ignored the law of your God, I will ignore your children. That's a bit harsh. In the New Century Version, it says, My people will be destroyed because they have no knowledge. You have refused to learn, so I will refuse to let you be priests to me and have forgotten the teachings of your God, so I will forget your children. In the Living Bible, it says, My people are destroyed because they don't know me. And it is all your fault, you priests, for you yourselves refuse to know me. Therefore, I refuse to recognize you as my priests. Since you have forgotten my laws, I will forget to bless your children. That's kind of like a bit of a shock. That's harsh. In John 8, listen to this, John 8, 31. If you hold on to my teachings, you will really be my disciples. Verse 32, then. What's the then connected to? Verse 31. If you hold on to my teachings, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So if you don't know the word, how can you get free? If you don't know what the Bible says about this, how can you get yourself out of that? So here's the next shocker. Just truth doesn't set you free. It's knowing it and doing it. <laughs> Bump your neighbor. And say something to them, just so that you can move. Because you guys are looking at me and your eyeballs are... If I move like this, you still look there. 
<laughs> Are you breathing? Are they breathing? Are they alive next to you there? If you want to build a great marriage, it's not just going to happen. Please listen to me. Ask the people that are married. It's <laughs> blood, sweat, and tears. <laughs> and fur flies every now and then as well. I need to confess in front of you all, me and my wife, we've never had a fight, but we've had a lot of board meetings. Oh, <laughs> uh, sure. <clears throat> if you do not respect and honor each other, and now I've moved myself, where am I now? Yo, 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 yo. Oh, I've gone backwards. Okay, let me keep on going. Sorry about that one. I pushed on the arrow. So if you, and I, if you want to build a marriage and you do not respect and honor each other and you keep on breaking each other down and you're not serving each other, what do you think you're building? And the Bible talks about respect and honor and serving. Those who hear these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. Do not love each other. Humiliate each other publicly. Think about yourself only in a marriage. I'm telling you, you'll only be married for a week. I need to confess to you. I did a marriage. It lasted one week. I couldn't believe it. But I never walked with the people. I helped somebody. <laughs> oh, that was, that was, I was shocked to hear. Every work of darkness, every trick of the devil gets its power through ignorance. Only way to expose darkness is put it in the light. Let the light of the word, and here's the thing, please listen to us. And the reason why we are protective about our standpoint is because when, when it goes into the light, people are not trying to accuse you of anything because when some darkness gets into the light, it loses its power. Sometimes it might seem embarrassing, but let me tell you, People salute people who acknowledge the things that are wrong and say, please help me. People salute those kind of people. It might seem embarrassing on the receiving end, but we need to be humble in that. What does the word say? See, when, see when, the, when the enemy says, you're not worth anything. Has anybody heard those words? Like, you're not worth anything. You're useless. You're a failure. Da, 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 all those kind of things. Yeah? I fought those things, right? In my beginning life, in fact... Every now and then, the devil wants to come and revisit me. You know, you're a failure. This thing's going to fall flat. Da, 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 all that kind of stuff. Then I have to do what? I have to remind myself of what the Word says because what the Word says is above that. So Psalm 139 verse 14, I praise you. Who? Me. I. The one that's been accused of being the failure, the useless, the can't get it right. I am the one. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And my soul... Knows it very well. It's not this head knowledge of whatever. I have, I have quoted that scripture long enough that I know in my heart I might still be ugly on the outside. But on the inside, I am God's masterpiece. I am God's masterpiece. In Genesis 1.31, God saw all that he had made. Are you made by God? Are you sure? God saw all that he made and he said it was very good. So when the enemy starts to tell you that you are, you've not made the grade, you look at the mirror and you say, I am fearful in one of men. And God said, I am good. I use God's word to counter 
what the enemy is throwing, the accusations that the enemy is throwing at me. The enemy says that nobody loves you. John 3.16, for God so loved the world. Who's the world? I'm included in it. That he gave his one and only son, his best. That whoever would believe in him will not perish but have eternal life. 1 Corinthians 13.4, love is patient, love is kind. Love does not envy, love is not, does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, it always preserves. Love never fails. God so loves. So everything that love is spared about there, that's what God does towards you and I. So when somebody says you're not loved, no, you are loved. Maybe somebody has not had the opportunity on this earth to express that to you, but God is expressing that to you, over you every single day of his life. When you wake up, ah, oh, I love you. When you're sleeping, I love you. The enemy comes and he breeds doubt and unbelief. These are real things that you and I are facing, but God has the antidote to that thing. He's got the antidote. Mark eleven twenty. Truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, you've got to address the mountain. What is the mountain? What is this thing that the enemy is throwing at you consistently that you and I don't seem to be able to get over? Then you find what the word says. It says, does anyone say to this mountain, go and throw yourself into the sea and do not doubt in your heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. I'm not saying this. I'm telling you what the word says. James 4, 7. Therefore submit to God. What? Resist the devil. Push away from it. Don't let it in. Do everything you can to block that thing. Put burglar bars up in the window so he can't get through. Put a security gate at the door so he can't get in. You do everything that you know how to keep him out. You hang around the people that believe in you and let them and tell them, I need to hear what God says about me today. What can you say to me? And let them speak the word over you. Ignorance. Paul instructs Timothy in 2 Timothy 15 study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Study, get into the word for yourself. It's not going to jump off the pages and into your heart. You've got to go and read it, and it's going to come in. You see, my mind has to be renewed. Paul says, taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. In 2 Corinthians 2.11, in order that Satan might not outwit us. I love the words that the Bible used. He outwits you. I'm not very good at chess. But every now and then when I'm playing with Joel, he outwits me. He catches me on my blind side. I was looking over here and he catches me over there. He outwits me. He works his way around. If he can kind of like entertain you over there. But meanwhile, he's making a plan over here. He wants to outwit us. For we, listen to this says here, that Satan might not outwit us. For we are not unaware of his schemes. Okay. So the Bible has taught us that he is a deceiver, that he is a liar. In fact, he is the father of all lies. So when we start hearing information from him, we should be filtering that through what the Bible has told us. And therefore, we should be rejecting it. Is everybody okay? Ignorance is transferable. 
You can't teach people what you don't know. But ignorance is not private. People will soon find out. Proverbs says, when a fool opens his mouth, you know him immediately. Take <laughs> listen to all these things. Proverbs 1, 22. How long will mockers delight in mockery and fools hate knowledge? Proverbs 10, 8. The wise in heart accept commands, but a chattering fool comes to ruin. Proverbs 10.14, the wise store up knowledge, but the mouth of a fool invites ruin. Have you listened to how you talk lately and how I talk? Have you listened to the words that come out of our mouth? We've got to be careful. Um, Please listen, I'm not asking us to be so heavenly minded that we know earthly good. I'm not asking us to do that. But I am asking us that we would put a God in front of our mouth that we watch what we say because our words are producing our tomorrows. Our words are producing our tomorrows. Proverbs thirteen nineteen: Fools detest turning from evil. Walk with the wise and become wise, for the companion of fools suffer harm. You hang around a fool, you're going to become termed a fool. I made the statement to the worship team. I think it was the worship team. All that I know is what I have learned. But all that I have learned is not all there is to know. I'm going to say it again. All that I know is all that I have learned. But all that I have learned is not all there is to know. God can use ignorant people. Availability is all that he needs. How do I know that? Acts chapter 4. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they weren't qualified, they were just fishermen. It says, they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. Hanging around Jesus can change us from ignorant to wise. But I have to receive something. See, the devil can keep people ignorant and in bondage, and he can stop them reaching their potential in God. There is a potential that you have. God never made you just to exist. God made you so that you would be a blessing and that you could excel. It took a long time for me to realize that I had to fight this thing anyway, because when there's so many things that are working against you, eventually you start to believe the things that are working against you because you're hearing that more than you are hearing anything else. And that's why there are certain places and certain things that we and I, you and I need to do so that ignorance becomes something that's leaving out the door. So how can I keep myself from becoming, staying ignorant? How can I do that? Number one, you're going to love this one. Hebrews 10.25, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as is the manner, and some Bible version says the habit of some, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. The closer the coming of Jesus comes, the harder it's going to be to live for God and godliness. And so let me, let me tell you what my desire is. My desire is that when people walk into this place and they come with needs and concerns and fears and whatever, and when, the, when you say, Amen, they leave and they say, my needs are met. Just the word would answer 
things. Yes, we need to pray for people, but I believe that God's going to get to, uh, we're going to get to a time when, when we're speaking, what we're speaking is going to just answer things and people's going to get delivered and get, get set free and the reality of who they are is going to just become enlightened. Whoa! I didn't realize that that's who I am. Do we know the value of the scriptures? Do we understand what it's actually trying to say to us? Is it, do we understand what it's actually trying to accomplish in us? Do we understand what the Lord is actually trying to say and teach us through His Word? To become more like Him. Remember Jesus said this in John 14, 12. He says, the things that I've done, you will do, and greater will you do, because I'm going to the Father. In other words, when Jesus, wherever Jesus went, something happened to the people around Him. And crowds grew, just were drawn to Him. I want to say this, that, that, that you and I need to be carrying a, a dimension of godliness. Crowds just come. Not because of you. Because of what you carry. Because of what's in you. And God wants to use simple people like you and I. We maybe don't have the degrees behind our name. But we can become wise and sharp in the Lord. That we become people that people want to hang around. When we learn... And we need to get to a place when we learn from each other and we help each other and we encourage each other. I don't know everything. That's why I need a Jody in my life. And I need an Adam. And I need, and I need you. Because there's something about your life that you've gone through that I've not been through. So guess who I'm going to go and come learn from? I'm going to come learn from you. But the things that I've been through, I'd love to teach you. I'd love to sit around a cup of coffee and talk to you about life and the things that we're in. And how, how in the hard times we've seen God do miracles. Why? Because that's going to stir something inside you. And just as much as when you're sharing things about what God's done with you, it stirs faith inside me to believe God for more. Yeah, I'm preaching myself happy tonight, I'm telling you. Whew. Here's the, here's the thing that we don't understand. You know, we Acts 2.42 over there, written on the wall, the, the whole fellowship. Do you understand the value of fellowship? Or are you just seeing now? You see, I use the whole thing as a farmer plants a seed. He plants a seed now. Let's take maize. Maize you normally plant, I think it's in like September. Any farmers, any know be better than that? I think it's September. You have a, a wide window but the ideal is in September, and you harvest it in June next year. You plant it in spring, it goes through summer, it goes through autumn, and it goes into winter, and that's when you harvest it. Have you thought about the seasons in your life that the relationships that you are building right now might be to, to, to pull you out of a mess in winter? The problem is that we hang around people right now. Oh, he irritates me. No, she's such a pain. And that's the way we respond to people. But what we don't realize is that they're carrying something that I might need. And so I need to be a little bit gracious and I need to hang around you a little bit more. And I maybe need to tolerate a little bit about your funny things that irritate me. Because one day I'm going to need you. Let me tell you what happens in the corporate world. I'm going like a steam train today. In the corporate world, people want to get to the top of the ladder and they don't care how they get there. They will step on you if they can to get up the ladder. And my philosophy in life is be careful who you're stepping on the way up the ladder because you might just pass them on the way down. 
Christians, we don't build that way. We take people with us. We grab their hand and we climb the ladder together. And when I'm at the top of the ladder, by God's goodness and greatness, then I don't forget the people that helped me get there. This is the thing that we need to know. Many people want to want the pulpit, and we know that God's called people to this place. Okay? But let me tell you the people that are very important. There's people looking after the kids over there. Because if it wasn't for them, some of you wouldn't be able to hear the word because there would be lots of distractions going on. And so those people are the people that need to be commended the most. The deacons, the com leaders, the people that are with you more than, than, than we are as elders. We salute you. We thank you for that. But we need to build building relationships. Don't just come to church and come in as late as you can, sit on your seat, and then leave as quick as you can. I want to encourage you to hang around a little bit longer and maybe get to know somebody because your winter season is coming. And somebody is going to need to help you. Who have you built a relationship with that maybe could be a hand that will reach out to you? And I found this. The most unlikely people are the people that reach out to you when you're desperate. It's just my experience in life. Sure, I've gone off on a tangent. I don't even know where I am in my notes now. Uh, that's why we need each other. I'm going to give you some... I'm going to give you some things now, please, and it's not to do with anything, and, and, and I'm just asking you, because I'm, I'm talking from where I'm at. Can I do that? A little bit about my life? So I've, been, I've been, been saved for 47 years. Gave my heart to the Lord when I was 14. Don't work that out. <laughs> At the end of this year, we'll be in the ministry for 36 years. Did I tell you that to brag? No. I made a decision 47 years ago that you don't have to ask me if I'm going to be in church on a Sunday. I made a decision then. I'm going to be in church on Sundays. Why? Because I saw the value of forsake not the gathering together of the brethren. And you can speak to my wife here that when we go on holiday, we find a church to go to. We don't go on holiday and then we leave everything and we become these unspiritual people because nobody that we know is hanging around there so we can live like we are. No, we don't. We keep our godliness in place and we realize that feeding ourselves is important. It doesn't matter how far or up or down the ladder you are. You need Hebrews 10.25. Forsake not the gathering together of the brethren as is the habit of some. Number two, how do we get ourselves to read and listen to good sound material? You've got to be feeding yourself spiritually. You're not a physical person having a spiritual experience. You are a spiritual person that's having an earthly experience at this moment, but you're connected to Jesus. He lives on the inside of you, and He wants His kingdom to come, and His, his will be done in your life now. But you're going to have to feed yourself. What would you be like? Okay, let me, don't answer this thing now, okay? How, what would you look like physically if you fed yourself physically the amount of times that you feed yourself spiritually. Ah! <laughs> that was a, that's why I don't want you to answer the question. But think about it. We want to be this strong Christian. And we want devils to run or whatever. Well, yes, a martyr mosquito. Who's going to listen to you? Somebody's going to swat you. 
feed yourself so that the gifts that God has given, put on the inside of you, can come out of you like a river. And people can benefit from that. When a river goes, everything along it benefits from that river. Let you and I be that river that just benefits. But you're going to have to put something in to be able to give something out. You can't give away nothing. Listen to other people's testimonies. Listen to how God has, what God has done in other people's lives. Why? So that you can inspire yourself. Build your most holy faith. Jude verse, verse 20 says, Pray in the Holy Ghost, building up your holy faith. You're not going to build up faith. Faith doesn't just arrive. It takes a lot of different faith to believe God for 10 rand and 10 million rand. It's a huge different faith level there. But you don't go from zero to hero in one step. I need to come to landing. So let me stop adding all these things in here. Number three, Paul writes to Timothy and he says in 2 Timothy 2.15, Study to show yourself approved. Get into the word for yourself. Get into the word for yourself. Read the word. You say, well, I read the word and I don't remember anything. Okay, so I'm going to give you an illustration. What did you have for lunch? No, let's say for tea. On the 20... No, the 15th of December in the year 2000. Some of you weren't born then, so you had nothing. What did you have for tea on the 15th of December in the year 2000? Can you remember? No, you can't. Are you still alive? That means it nourished you for that time. So you might not remember anything, but read. Read and just listen to stuff. And, 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 and let it build something on the... Memorize scripture. Speak scripture over your life. The one thing that the devil wants to keep out of you and me is the word. Because if he wants to keep you ignorant, he just steals the word. He just stops the flow of the word, and eventually you're going to peter out. Why? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So, and Bible says, without faith, it is impossible. Impossible means it's not going to happen. So without faith, it is impossible to please God. It's impossible to walk in your gift. It's impossible to become the person that God intended you to be without faith. Why? Because there's some things your brain is going to say, this is not going to happen. But God says, I know, I've called you. The fact I'm doing what I'm doing today is an impossibility in the natural. From my background, from my education level, from all those things, this is I should not be here but God. And I've had to get to a place where I just say, God, it's either your word or nothing. Psalm 1 verse 1, it says, blessed is the one. Who? Blessed is the one who does not. Walk in, the step, in step with, wicked, with the wicked. Or stand in the way that sinners take. Or sit in the company of mockers. Verse 2. But whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person, verse 3. That person. Nobody else. That person is like a tree planted by the streams of water which heals its fruit in season and whose leaves does not wither. And whatever they do prospers. That person. So the word of God becomes important. Coming for a landing. Number four, be accountable to someone more mature than you. Now, your my life, we have maturity levels at different places. We're not mature in everything. So what happens is, I might give you an illustration. My son Joel could possibly be more mature 
in an area of his spiritual walk than I am. If I've not fed myself. And so that could be different people for different things. So I'll give you an illustration. Um, my dad died when I was nine, so I grew up without a father. And the most amazing thing is that I chose different father figures for different things in my life. So my one brother-in-law became my father figure when it came to my sporting world. And so whenever I had sporting issues, I went there. Then my other brother-in-law would become, he, he, too, he took that role. And then when I got born again, I made the pastor, the person that would be the father figure that would speak into my life concerning my spiritual walk. So I had many different fathers and I would just draw from those guys as I needed the input in that area. So the pastor that I had, he was useless at sport. So there's no use me going to him and asking him how to play rugby because you're just saying, hey, guys, you know, go somewhere else. So I, I, I chose different, and our spiritual life is like that. Sometimes it might be the lead elder. Sometimes it just might be a deacon. Sometimes it just might be a normal congregation member. Different people for different things in your life. Don't be close to them. Don't think, oh, the elder voice has to be the answer. No. It's also about relationship, by the way. You're not going to come to me if you don't have a relationship. If I haven't got to the place where I've won your trust. Hope this is making sense. We talk about this, but do we do it well? Accountability is a biblical value. So Joshua, when Moses sent out the, 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 the 12 spies, two came back with a good report, 10 came back with a bad report. So Joshua changed the game. He sent out only two. He said, bring me. And they came back and they reported back. I want to tell you, there needs to be someone that you're reporting back to in your life all the time. Joshua did it. Esther, when... Uh, when um, who was uh, Nahum, Nahum, who was the, the, the kind of like prime minister that was going to try to kill all the Jews and was going to kill Mordecai, who was rip? Huh? Amen, Naaman, Amen, Amen, <laughs> that man, <laughs> not Batman. <laughs> and in Esther, it says the servants that, that she sent to Mordecai came and reported back to her. If you look in, in Luke, 10, 20, uh, verse, Luke chapter 10, Jesus sends out the 72. They come back and they report back to Jesus all the things that had happened. In Acts chapter 4, Peter and John were released from prison. They go back to the believers and they report everything. You need to be accountable. It's a biblical principle. When you walk alone, you die. It's just how it is. Remember this? Have you watched I Love Animal? You look at a lion... When lions go for them, they isolate somebody from the herd, he's dead. She's dead. It's dead. I'm landing there. Our greatest enemy is ignorance. But God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever would believe in him, what does believe in him? Believe means take him at his word. And live his word. His word is, he says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word is established forever. He spoke the word, it created everything in the beginning, and it will keep creating your world today if you keep saying what God's word says. He can take a mess and turn it into a message, He can take the broken and put them all back together again.
But while you and I stay ignorant, in other words, we don't allow God's word to transform us, the enemy is going to mess us up even more. God loves us. So I want to pray for us now. Thank you, my Father. Thank you, my Father. We love you so much. We love you so much, Jesus. We love you so much, Jesus. You love your people, Jesus. You put great value on them. And I'm asking right now that whatever the enemy has been successful in doing, that today we will draw a line and say, that's enough. So far and no further. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Father, we will stand up. And once we have done all things, we will just stand. And we will speak your word. And we will declare what David said. Though you slay me, yet will I praise you. We will always acknowledge you, God, to our last breath. That you are the king of all kings. You are the Lord of all lords. We will not bow to the tactics and the, the, the ideas of the enemy. We separate ourselves tonight unto you. In Jesus' name. I'm asking that you'd work in all our lives, in all our hearts. And Father, the things that we feel have no answers. The things that we feel can never change. I'm asking that you'd do something in the hearts of your people tonight. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. So with every head bowed and every eye closed right now.